Welcome back to the program. Today's the feast of Saint John the Evangelist. John is also the inspiration of both my son's first names, John Mark and John Luke. John Luke, his birthday is actually tomorrow, and tomorrow is the feast of the Holy Innocents, which is one of the stories of the of the um, the, the infancy of Jesus. Even though it's in the Gospel of Matthew, I chose to name him. We chose to name him John Luke after the uh, after the 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 Christmas season, after the wonderful gift of St. John the Evangelist, and also just with the idea that John was the beloved disciple. He was the one whom Jesus loved. And that's what we want for our sons. We want our sons to know, in the core of their being, their deepest identity is found in a relationship. I know that might sound odd, and I'll dig into that further after we pray, that our deepest identity is found not in ourselves, not in something that is a, an, a trait, an attribute, a, a, some aspect of our existence that is independent of others. But no, our deepest sense of identity is found in a relationship. That's a pretty striking thing. All right, we'll come back to that in a minute as we start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' holy name. We thank you, Father, that we have access to you. Lord, we repent of all of those times that we settle for less or fall short in how we live our lives and what we say or think or do or avoid. Lord, we ask that you would help us in this Christmas season, in this octave, in these eight days where we revel in, we... uh, delight in the gift of the birth of your son, Jesus, into our world, into our lives. We pray, Lord, that that would happen. We pray that it would happen at a new level, a new depth, a new degree. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow, I gotta tell you, it has, it's been a long well, it's been a long month and a half. <laughs> it's been over a month since I, I've been battling the flu. I, I won't linger on this, but I finally feel like I'm getting better. Uh, had a very difficult week uh, a week ago, and um, that impacted my ability to do some radio programs. But God is at work, and uh, I'm feeling a bit better. But it has continued to land on different family members of mine that uh, and it's clung to them. So I, I'm praying for you. If you are battling the flu symptoms or you're battling the flu in this season, I pray that the Lord would give you relief and release and a, and a full flourishing health in your own physical life so that you'd have the energy to focus on the things that really matter. Yes, and that's really what I'm here to talk about uh, today on the program. Uh, today, we are just a couple of days away from the celebration of Christmas. I'm hoping and praying that you had the opportunity to do that with loved ones. We had a wonderful time around here uh, in the current home. Uh, eight of my nine kids were able to be home. Four of them are out of the house now, the oldest four girls. And the only one that was unable to be here physically with us was our daughter, Ariana, who is in Guatemala doing missionary work. And she called and 
Um, she actually was part of our uh, some of our most I, I don't know like impactful or long lasting uh, Christmas uh, customs on Christmas Eve. We opened up sibling gifts, um, so Carrie and I just got to enjoy watching our kids give gifts to each other. And Ariana wanted to be part of that, so she FaceTimed in, the miracle of technology here. And then on, uh, we ended up going to the Midnight Mass um, at, uh, at St. Mary's. It was very beautiful. It was a sung Mass. In, in fact, it was a, um, a, a really beautiful, like, let's call it um, integration or, or synthesis of the Novus Ordo and the traditional Latin Mass, the different elements um, there was, well, for instance, the Mass was presided over ad orientum, which meant that the priest was facing the crucifix, facing the tabernacle, facing the, uh, the altar, uh, no, facing the, the high altar, and uh, presided at Mass in that posture. And the Mass was sung, and there were many Mass parts that were sung in Latin. So the Gloria was sung in Latin, the Creed was sung in Latin, the, the Sanctus, the Holy Holy, was sung in Latin. And so it was, uh, and the, the, the Lamb of God. So uh, the, let's see, where's the Our Father? I'm not sure if the Our Father, the, the Lord's Prayer, was sung in, in Latin or English. I don't remember. I think it was, I think it was sung in English. Now, anyways, uh, everything was... Uh, the entire mass was sung, and, and it was uh, the the only lighting in the church were candles. So it was it it, it created a, re- a sense of reverence, a sense of holiness, of of solemnity. There's the right word. There was a, was a beautiful sense of solemnity in the uh, during the celebration of the holy sacrifice of the mass, and, and it it was interesting because my kids. Um, all commented on it. They commented on the the way in which they sensed the the reverence that was highlighted through a number of the elements that you wouldn't maybe typically see in a Novus Ordo Mass. But they also realized that they weren't at the the traditional Latin Mass. So it was it was uh, wonderful. It was really it was a, it was a wonderful for well for my kids. It was a wonderful gift to be able to. Uh, to go to to midnight mass together, um, and, and it was interesting because that was the that was when the weather was really in that kind of weird situation, right? Where you had all those days of freezing weather out here. It was freezing cold, like five below, one below, three below, uh, zero, uh, which was just incredibly cold. But then the temperature was going up and going up in a way that meant that you'd have this wetness that would then freeze. And so that was making it like sheets of ice on the road. And <laughs> it was interesting. I, we live kind of high up on a, on a hill and uh, about a mile up on a hill. And so um, I, my kids were really concerned about, is it, was it safe to even drive? So I actually got in the car and drove all the way to the church, all the way to St. Mary's, uh, an hour and a half before mass, just to make sure that the ride was safe and, and doable, and uh, wasn't going to, you know, put anyone in in danger. So it was fine; it all worked out fine. Uh, 
and so anyways it was it was that was a beautiful mass i and i hope and pray that that the, the celebration of the, the the christmas mass was for your family also uh, a great blessing um during the the days when my kids were here i wanted to make sure that um i had a chance to talk with them about things that i i i, I think I, here's what i want to say it. i wanted to have me uh, a family meeting with them where we could talk about having a, a vision for your life and some goals that are associated with accomplishing that vision. And then what are, what steps are you taking now to prepare yourself to be able to head towards those goals? What's this, what are the strategies you're taking to move towards those goals? And then how does that show up in a plan? And then what are you going to commit to do to take some actions to make that plan real? Did you catch that vision, strategy, plan, and action? Unfolding all of those things. And I did that for a reason. I had had a few conversations with um, adults, uh, with parents, about their kids that were in their early 20s. And it, the, the thread that ran through the conversations was a sense of, I don't want to quite call it a failure to launch, but a surprising like lack of longer-term vision about how living the way they were living today was going to really prepare them to be able to live a life that was probably in their minds somewhere down the road. And uh, here's, here's how I, uh, I'll talk about it. Um, like, would the life that they were living right now going to equip them to lead and provide and protect their family in the future, would they be able to, speaking here of the men in particular, would they be able to make a living that would support a family if, in fact, there was a call there to have the wife stay home and, um, and be able to raise kids and be able to have a home and, and provide for your family? Um, and so it, it, was, it was an interesting thing because in none of these situations— that uh, these three conversations that I had, did the parents um, have that conversation with their kids? That do you, do you know where this is going to lead you? Do you know how it, how you what you're going to do to get there? What what do you imagine yourself doing in five years or ten years? And what's it going to take to get you there? And I I was talking about this with Carrie, and I said, you know, I I need to have this conversation with my kiddos, especially with the older ones with the two boys in high school, and then the three older girls that are at college and or out of the house. And this wasn't only about, you know, are you going to go to college after high school? It was, what do you see yourself doing in five to ten years? And what are you going to do to get there? What are some of the principles and practices? What are some of the ideals that you are striving to live out in order to be able to accomplish this. And I, it, it ended up being a really like, powerful conversation that took a turn I, I wasn't really quite expecting. I wanted it to be principally about them and giving them a sense of, 
like, where do you see yourself really in five to 10 years? Like, what kind of job could you see yourself doing? What are you interested in? Do you see yourself at home? Uh, what about children? Uh, what about marriage? And, and, and it ended up, though, being more of a journey through my life, and in particular, my life with Carrie, their mom, in terms of how God had called me and the arc, if you will, the, the sort of the, the, the flow of my life through the different turns and twists that were part of my own journey. So the, the call first doing electrical engineering and, and why did I even do that? And that was connected more to my dad who was in construction and knew that engineering and electrical engineering would be a career that would probably suit me and my my two brothers, but also would be able to uh, provide for the family, for our families once we grew up and had that role in our own families, if, if that was God's call for us. And then after being in the seminary, shifting to philosophy and then theology, but then feeling a call to both ministry and marriage, it really led to a very interesting like set of like steps forward in my life. And, and what I really enjoyed about it was I had a chance to share in more detail with my kids about the path that my life took, about different things that I did, things that I had accomplished, opportunities that, that were given to me by God as a gift. And, and that became one of the big themes. One of the big themes that showed up in this whole conversation was when you seek to serve the Lord, when you seek him first, when you seek to put the Lord first in your life, don't be surprised that the Lord will honor that by blessing you in ways that you couldn't have planned for, you couldn't have imagined, and, and go far beyond what you expect or deserve. Let me say that again. When you put God first, when you honor God and strive to honor him first in your life, when you strive to fight God's battles in how you live your life, do you know what you'll discover? That God fights your battles. That God will hear and answer your heart's desires. That God delights in granting you what you need and even more than you ever would have expected, imagined, or deserved just because he's, he's your father and he loves to do those things for you. And, and, and so that's, that's where the, the stories unfolded. That's where I had a chance to share with them some of the, the things that were part of my own life and things that they found surprising, like, whoa, we had no idea. <laughs> I'll give you a couple of examples in a minute and then continue on. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So I'm sharing with you about 
I'm kind of quickly synthesizing a couple of hour conversation that I had with my oldest. There were, I think there were four, four kids in the room, uh, four of my five, the fifth one was sick. So she had to, ended up having to go to bed, but the four of them, uh, my two boys and, and my oldest daughter and my third daughter, um, were there. And, and I was just talking to them about different things that had happened in my life, uh, and how my life had brought me from, uh, engineering studies to the seminary and then leaving the seminary uh, and the education that I had, uh, the opportunity to receive in Rome, going to work for this parish church in Manchester, New Hampshire in the late 80s. And the the blessings that God gave to me in the three years that I was there were beyond anything that I could have ever planned for. I, w- I got to be a director of evangelization at a Catholic parish Back in the late 80s, before that was even a thing, you know, there just weren't directors of evangelization in Catholic parishes. There barely are today. But back then, it was almost entirely unheard of. And that was because of the pastor that it happened. Father Mark Montmany, a very visionary priest, very holy, uh, a catalyst, not afraid to try things, not afraid to press forward for the sake of the gospel. And he had this fundamental sense of, as long as you understand my vision and I trust you, then you can go forward and, and make something happen. Go go for it. And so we were able to put on conferences with Scott and Kimberly Hahn and Peter Kreeft and Dr. Thomas Howard. And this was in the 1989 we did this. And, and we had Ralph Martin and uh, Benedict Rochelle and, and other like big nationally known speakers at our parish uh, back in, in the late 80s, early 90s. And we had people come from even as, as far away as 13 different states at one of our conferences, if you can believe it. Uh, and, and we had, it was just, it was really stunning back then what God was doing. And, and then all of the, the, the people that, that were at the parish, there were these guys that were experts in leadership development and organizational development, and they poured into me. They sought me out and said, we want to pour into you as a young man that you have this leadership role. We want to help you grow as a leader, help you understand how to grow leaders, how to lead others, and then how to lead leaders. And then what do you do to help grow the organization? And their pouring into me was was invaluable. And it ended up pushing me to be invited to uh, work with Evangelization 2000 to go to these um, international meetings or these North America meetings that were in DC. And I'm not going to pull on every thread, but essentially I ended up going to Catholic university in a call to, to study more. And, uh, and that's where I ended up getting the PhD in systematic theology and studied. Um, I, my doctoral dissertation was on interreligious dialogue in the teaching of John Paul II. It was, it was more refined than that, but it was so interesting to have my kids hear the stories of why I ended up going there and what I ended up studying and, and all of that. And along the way, it was wanting my kids to appreciate more the fact that I had to work really hard and be very dedicated, but also to be very grateful and to trust in God that the, the path my life was going to take was going to be beyond what I would have imagined for myself. And, and it would be a beautiful testimony to the Lord honoring 
my desire to serve him and his delight in blessing me. Uh, just because he loves to bless those who are battling for his purposes. So I'm sharing this with you because we are entering into a time in this country's history. As we end the year 2022, we're moving into 2023. I don't know if I can find even one economic forecast one financial forecast, whether it's the housing market, whether it's the stock market, whether it's the economy and inflation, whether it's scarcity of even some of the basic necessities of life, whether it's the job market and um, what's happening with businesses um, struggling to uh, continue to operate. There are so many things that that are in front of us that... Uh, make the picture seem a little bit scary, a little bit worrisome, and it can make us feel like, okay, what am I going to do? L- Lord, how how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my debt? How am I going to, um, how am I going to make it? Right? Th- these are real, these are real questions. And, um, and it's, it, you know, I went to the store uh, earlier yesterday. So this was uh, on Monday. Uh, and there was no milk <laughs> in Fred Meyer, of all places, no milk because of the storm. It was so bad that they had literally no milk. So interesting. Um, and, and that's just, you know, one storm related thing. But, you know, you hear about people talking about shortages that are coming and prices that are just escalating for some of the basic things and the basic food things. And it's like, okay, what are we going to do? And so the first is this, you can be prudent about planning well, whether it's how do we save some money and how do we make some money, right? So those are some practical things. What can you do to save some money and live on a tighter budget, right? Don't spend so much money. Carrie's gone back to Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. It was something that we did, oh, goodness, 17, 20 years ago uh, as a couple. And she's kind of bringing it back around again and saying, we've got to be on a tight budget. We've really got to be on a budget. And we've got to take a look at where can we, where can we peel back? What can we peel back? Five bucks here, 10 bucks here a month. What can we go without? How do we make use of what we already have? Um, so, so there's some very practical things to do, but then also being wise about where, where are we, not, not only where can we save money and where, can, where are we spending money, but what can we do to increase our, our income as well? And so those are the conversations that we're having. Now, I'm hoping that if this, if this is your reality as well, that this is something that you're doing. Okay, you, you got to be practical, right? So St. John of the Cross talked about this. St. Thomas Aquinas talked about this, that the, you cannot, you ought not to rely, just John of the Cross now, hey, on the Feast of St. John, not John the, John the Evangelist, not John of the Cross, you ought not to rely on the gift of prophecy when God's given you reason. <laughs> so he's saying that someone who's gifted as a prophet, gifted with that grace, shouldn't just rely on God's gracious intervention to give you 
the information you need to be able to take a step forward. Use reason. God has also given you reason. So be prudent, be practical, be sober-minded, uh, be um, uh, you know, thoughtful, seek good sources of insight uh, when, you're, when you're making a budget, when you're making a plan, right? And, and if you need some guidance with that, get a financial advisor, get financial help. Some of you might need uh, a help from a counselor, uh, a marriage counselor to be able to talk through financial matters. Carrie and I have talked about that. It's like, you know, when it comes to money, sometimes we don't do a good job of hearing each other. Maybe we're not making each other's points clear or, or taking in each other's perspectives enough. Maybe we need some outside help to help us talk this through. So um, so there's, there's that human level. D- don't put that aside. Don't ignore that. But then there's also... God, and trusting in God, and seeking that our Father would be our provider, seeking and asking and knocking for the Lord to be our provision. One of the things that um, when Carrie and I were having a conversation about this on Monday, um, we were talking about giving, and it's towards the end of the year, and and Carrie was saying, we cannot not give to others. We must be tithing. We must be exp- uh, expressing not only our gratitude to God for what he's given to us by being good stewards of it, but by realizing that what God has given to us is his, and we need to not grip on so tightly that we, in fact, are going to dry up that conduit that God is intending us to be in terms of being a blessing to others. And boy, okay, here we go now. So what am I saying? On the one hand, you be prudent about where you're going to be spending your money and saving money and not uh, you know, cutting back on expenses. And on the other hand, saying, but you know what? I'm going to be a good steward and the Lord is going to bless others through me. And I don't want to be shy about doing that. I want to be generous about doing that because God owns everything. My father owns everything and he can take care of us. No, no. He always takes care of us. He, he will always be faithful and not to doubt that, not to, wonder about that, not to hesitate in accepting that. God is a gracious and generous God who loves us, and he will and does take care of us. But here's here's the the point on the Feast of St. John the Evangelist. We must be these beloved disciples. We must be those who are seeking him first, and this is the point that I was sharing with my, my kids in our meeting was, now kids, as you're hearing me share these stories and, and your eyes are popping out saying, wow, that's amazing, dad. H- how did that happen? It, it, it is a sign of God's fidelity. It's a sign of God honoring those who are seeking to honor him. And so I, I do encourage you, to, to trust in that, to trust that as you seek to honor him, you seek him first, that 
He's going to take care of you. He is taking care of you. But it really does mean an act of surrendering to him. An act of opening to him. An act of being willing to be vulnerable, to even be led into circumstances that are not preferable, but to trust that he's with us in every moment. What's the very fitting example? It's the nativity. It's this octave of Christmas that we're in. Imagine again St. Joseph. St. Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, the husband of Mary, the one charged with leading, providing, and protecting his family, the Blessed Mother, and the only Son of God, the Messiah, about to be born into this world. And he has to honor the request of Caesar to uh, go pay his taxes, and he has to go to Bethlehem because of the census. And he arrives, and he has no place to stay. And I know you've heard this because it's, it's Christmas, so I'm sure you've heard reflections and homilies on this, but it's, it's a stunning, it's, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? It is, is, it's crazy to think that God the Father chose, willed, to have his son, or permitted, at a minimum, permitted his son to be born in a stable. And Jesus willed, he uh, said yes, consented to be born as a powerless infant in a manger, in, in, a, in a stable. And I know we see the crush, you know, the, the manger scenes, and it seems all romantic. And it, I mean, it had to have been so cold and smelly and itchy and messy. And it, I bet it's okay. Jesus is born. Joseph got to be saying, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, now here's Jesus. He's born. The, my little, this little baby, the son of God is born. And, and, and what do I do now all night? How's Mary going to sleep? How's the baby going to sleep? How's, what do I do in the morning? What do I, it's stunning. The amount of trust that Joseph had to have in God, the father, the amount of entrustment that God, the father showed to Joseph and to the blessed mother in having Jesus be born into that kind of circumstance. And, and to realize that if God allows that and permits that and wills that and, and does so in such a way that, you know what? I will do something great through that. That that is a sign for us to take seriously. It's, a, it's something for us to ponder. It's something for us to to take seriously in our own lives. How do you do that? How do I do that? Well, it's by allowing the mystery of Christmas to happen in our lives. The the mystery of Christmas didn't just happen 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. There's something very real, very pertinent. It's relevant. It's personal. It's for you. It's for your marriage. It's for your family. And, um, and, and it's something that can become tangible. 
I want to talk about that. I want to talk about having that become more tangible and then talk about another conversation involving guardian angels that I had with my kids. All of this in a minute on Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So, wow, crazy stuff happening in this world, right? All these canceled flights. Uh, there are a couple of canceled flights happening. My my daughter, one of my daughters made it out this morning super early um, and made it back to Boston. And I was praying for her, gave her my super relic rosary, um, one of them, gave her that to travel with her back to Boston through Minneapolis, where it was so freezing cold. And thanks be to God, even though her flight left late, she ran to her connecting plane and got to the gate, went on the board and and made that flight, made it to Boston safely, and now is home with home in Boston with the flu. <laughs> God bless her. Or feeling bad. I don't know if she has the flu, but she um, she said, Dad, my body is aching now. So there we go. Uh, and then uh, my daughter, Mary Grace, is supposed to fly out today, and the flight was canceled. And we have a nephew coming to town, and as of my recording of this on Monday night, the flight keeps getting pushed back later and later. So he may not be here <laughs> when this program airs. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of canceled flights and things happen, a lot of change of plans. Okay. I think we're living in a time of changing plans. A lot of us are now facing situations we never thought we'd face. And, and some of those happened in COVID, in, with regards to COVID. Some of those things happened with regards to the, the toxic culture that your, especially high school kids, uh, are facing. Um, a lot of families are in touch with me these days uh, to help with real estate because of transgender ideology and the way that it is coming at their kids full force and it is coming at neighborhoods and businesses and jobs and festivals and, and libraries and in ways that are very disturbing and destructive and there's not sufficient pushback. There's not sufficient stand up and speak out and saying that this is dark and demonic and broken and is leading into very dangerous and deadly situations for so many young people. And so they're saying, time to flee to Egypt. It's, it's, it's the journey. So, um, so in, but now it, it, it's the economy, right? So there, here's this economy and, and here we are in this situation. And it's like, okay, I got to trust and I have to end trust. And so just before the break, I was saying, if we want this to be a Christmas that honors the Lord and really lets him do what he wants to do, it's going to mean taking some time and making some space to have Jesus come into our lives. Do, do you ever ask that? Do you ever 
consciously, explicitly, intentionally say, Jesus, please come and be born into my heart. Be born into my life. Jesus, I I truly want you to shape how I look at life. Please, Jesus, you are the living Lord. Shape my attitudes towards my wife, towards my kids, towards my job, towards my career, towards my money, towards my time. Jesus, please, I really need you to be my Savior, to rescue me from my sinful ways. Please, Lord, there are things that I do that dishonor you in my thoughts, in my words, in what I've done, and in what I have avoided doing, what I've failed to do. Jesus, please save me. He wants to, he wants to come in and rescue that's his will. That's, that's his plan. He, he wants to come in and rescue. He, he can rescue your relationship. You got a bad relationship with your daughter, he can rescue that relationship. He can redeem it. He's the redeemer. It means he can unbind it and set it free. He can restore what has been lost. He can advance it to a whole new place of flourishing. He can sever connection to to darkness and demonic uh, sources, and he can uh, bring about a a, a bond of connection to his heart of love for you and for that daughter. Uh, It's hard for us to, to, I don't know, maybe it's hard for us to take that seriously. But do do you ask for that? Okay, I'm here to say to you, I ask for it every day. I ask for it every day. Jesus, I can't get up in the morning. In my typical morning, that wasn't this morning. I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to drive my daughter to the airport. But uh, my standard is, unless I'm sick, I'm getting up and I'm having quiet time. And in that quiet time of prayer, I'm turning to Jesus. I'm turning to God the Father. I'm crying out to the Holy Spirit. Please help me. I need you. I'm desperate to have you please come and invade my day. Please come into my life today. Please do not abandon me. Do not abandon me to myself. Do not let me enter this day without communing with you, without welcoming your holy presence, without the stirring of your holy presence in my life. And and so I ask you, Jesus, please, in this Christmas season, be born one more time in a fresh new way today into my heart, my home, my family, each of my kids. If they're dreams, when I'm praying at night, I pray that the Lord invades their dreams sends holy angels to minister to them in their dreams. But you can do this. This is not, this is Catholic. (laughs) This is a Catholic thing. Uh, Inviting Jesus, seeking, knocking, uh, pressing in. Watch what, just watch what he'll do. Okay. Can you please try it? Try it today. Invite him to come into your work. 
Jesus, take over my work. Please take over my work situation because I don't know how to provide for my family unless you do it. And that doesn't mean you just sit back. Again, it's not the St. John of the Cross. He's like, you know, the prophet doesn't just rely on the grace of prophecy. He's got to use his reason to figure stuff out. You pray, but then watch what God does. And what God is going to have you do is, yes, work hard. He's going to have you work hard, but you're going to see things open up that weren't even there yesterday. And that things that open up can open up in your kids as well. You'll, see, you'll find that your kids will, will have things open up in them that wasn't there before. And, and what happens? What happens? What happens is Jesus becomes more central to how we live our lives, how we think about today. What, what are you thinking about when you go to bed? What are you thinking about when you wake up? What are you thinking about as you're just moving through your day? <laughs> you're not trying to crowd them out. I think that's, again, one of the, not the only, but one of the, one of the dark sides of smartphone technology is the crowding out capacity it has. It just crowds out the quiet presence of Jesus, the, the sense of his nearness, the sense of his, his personal nearness to you. And, and that's something that will grow. It's something that will grow as you put emphasis on, as you make it a priority in your daily life. So you can do that, right? You're listening to me right now, uh, even as, as, as you're talking right now. Uh, I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for these brothers and sisters listening to me right now, the, the ones that are driving in the car, the ones that are listening as they're working out, the ones that are listening at home. Lord, whatever their situation is, going to Mass, coming from Mass, Jesus, you see them right where they're at. You know them. You know what's going on in their hearts. You know what burdens them, what is overwhelming to them, what makes them really be concerned about what's happening in their lives right now. Jesus, be born be born in a new way, in a fresh way, in their hearts, in their lives, in their place of deepest need, in the place where they are burdened, where they are fearful, where they are wondering what is going on. Jesus, be close to them. Please, Jesus, be close to them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. And, and Lord, I thank you for blessing these brothers and sisters of mine who are praying with me right now. And I ask Jesus that you would shock them with your generosity. Please, just give them that, that glimpse of amazement at what you are ready to do, willing to do, and what you are doing as, as they make room for you, as they don't crowd you out, as they make room for you. And so, Lord, be born. Be born in my life. Be born in my relationships. Be born in my marriage and my kids and in my finances and my health and my stewardship of all that you've given me in my life. But, Lord, do it for everybody that's listening to me first. Do it for them first. Hear their hearts cry and answer. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of Christmas. Let us not miss this season and this moment to let this happen in a fresh and new way. And I make this prayer, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran and sharing 
earlier in the program about a conversation I was having with my older kids about about my life and how God has shown himself to be so faithful and how he has surprised me with the way in which he has led me into paths that I hadn't dreamed of for myself, uh, to give me opportunities to do things to that were honoring him and serving him. And and I again, I did this because I wanted my kids to, to know me better, to know more about my life. It, it's something that I really didn't know that much about my dad's life, about the inner workings of the journey that his life took from being a young man and into being my father. And then the way that he lived as a husband and father leading and providing and protecting his family. And what was that like? And I didn't want my kids to go without knowing that in my regard. And so had a wonderful conversation. Another conversation we had, uh, the, I think it was a day before, or I think it was the day before was about angels and it was about heaven and, and purgatory and hell (laughs) <laughs> it was, uh, and this one involved all my kids. Carrie was really tired. She went to bed, and in uh, she had been very busy getting ready for Christmas. So it was before Christmas, and uh, it was, it was. I think it was that my daughter wanted to avoid purgatory, <laughs> and so we got into the five first Saturdays and the nine first Fridays and the brown scapular and uh, a variety of uh, things like that. But it, it circled around to your guardian angel and how your guardian angel has been specifically chosen by God for you. And in fact, I was just reading about this in Aquinas in the first part of the Summa. He talks about the ministry of angels and there's some amazing insights that he has, no surprise, about the ministry of angels. And, and one of them is that the higher angels uh, like pour overflow into the angels below them. And then they overflow to the angels below them. And off it goes. So there's this, uh, there's this sense of mediation. Right? That God, God, instead of simply saying, I'm going to pour forth my blessings directly onto your life, I've chosen to create these pure spiritual beings whose mission is connected to your life. That's how, that's how important you are to God. That's how unique you are to God, that you have an angel or maybe more than one angel and your family m- most likely has an angel assigned to it by God, created for it by God. And that angel is engaged in intercessory prayer for you, but also has a mission. And that mission is to lead and provide and protect you. And I was sharing with the kids the way in which you can grow in your relationship with your guardian angel. And you can sense the presence and ministry of your guardian angel in your life. And, uh, and the kids were like, what are you talking about, Dad? What do you mean? And I, what I said to them was, I said that it's not like you're going to see your guardian angel. It's not like your guardian angel is going to reveal his name to you. Uh, it's not like you're going to hear a voice. But I gave a testimony. I was witnessing to the way that my guardian angel influences my life that at least in those instances that I have been aware of. And it 
it's very much one of those um, realities of influence where I can sense either resistance or inspiration. Resistance or inspiration to either avoid going in a certain direction or to move in a certain direction. And it was interesting because one of my kids was saying, well, Dad, how do you know that wasn't just you? And I said, well, I got to tell you, there is a um, way in which you'll know from the inside. In other words, from the outside, you might say, oh, that's not, that's not the, your guardian angel. That's just, that's just you. And I said, well, you could say that. But from the inside, from, from if, what I mean is from the standpoint of the relationship, you also can have a sense of saying, this isn't just me. This is, this is a, well, I, I want to say this is my angel re- putting up a hedge of protection and putting up a wall of resistance to prevent me from going down a certain trail. And he's doing that because that's his mission, to protect me. And there are other times where I might be a little sluggish, a little lethargic, a little resistant or hesitant to do something. And all of a sudden I get this little extra prompting. Now that doesn't mean like all the reluctance goes away, but I feel that little surge of strength that extra grace, and I have a sense. I just have this knowing that 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 was God blessing me through the angel he's given me. And so you can come to know, you can come to have a sense or a sensitivity to the realm of the spiritual and to the realm of, well, in this specific instance, the angels being there, praying for you. And so I really was encouraging my kids, specifically, consciously, intentionally, ask and invite your guardian angel to be involved in your life in the fullness of the way that God intends. Ask for that. Ask for that. Guardian angel, I give you permission. And I ask you, please, exercise the fullness of the mission and ministry that God has given you in my regard. Lead me, provide for me, and protect me. So that strand right there of lead, provide, protect is something that God the Father does. It's something that Jesus does. It's something that we're called to do through baptism. We share in, in Christ's own life. It's something that his angels do in our regard. It's something I'm called to do in, in regards to my wife, Carrie, and, and with regards to my kids. It's something that if I have an apostolate or a mission or a ministry, there's a way in which I'm called to also uh, share in some of that work in your regard. And so that hold on to that because that's also you. That's also you. So I encourage you to, to ask your guardian angel in the way that I encourage my kids to. The other part was be willing to undergo penance here on earth. We had, we had a number of stories about souls in purgatory and the amount of suffering they went endured there without any merit where you can endure it here. And not only will it shorten your purgatory, it'll heighten the, the glory, the fullness of eternal life that you'll experience in heaven. And so extra motivation for you there. And 
Then we also talked about not just uh, praying for the, the poor souls in purgatory, uh, for the holy souls in purgatory, the poor souls, sometimes they're called, uh, but how about praying for poor sinners, right, in accord with Our Lady of Fatima? And my book came in, the book that I got called Why Must I Suffer? A Book of Light and Consolation. And I don't have time to read the chapter uh, in there now. I'll, I'll read it tomorrow. Uh, that has to do with uh, the 13th reason why we suffer, and that is procuring the conversion of sinners. Whoa! Procuring the conversion of sinners. That is, and it's only two pages long, but it is so confirming of what the Lord has been stirring in me and and teaching me about the mission that it is part of like my life i don't know how much is part of your life but part of the life that god has for me is to be willing to do penance to expiate the sins and make reparation for the sins of sinners that are near to death but far from god to procure the conversion of sinners that voluntary suffering can bring about the conversion of sinners who are near to death and if they're near to death but far from god then what what is at risk for them is heaven and hell. And, and to think about that we can have that impact. You can have that impact today by being willing to, un- to undertake some penance, uh, to, to, to make some self-sacrifices, to offer up your suffering for poor sinners who right now are threatened with the end of their life on earth and they're trapped in mortal sin. You can be on a rescue mission. I, I, it's something that, that I'll, I'll say it again and again, I think, on the program because I don't think we pay attention to it enough. But I think we're moving into a year that is going to require more courageous and generous action than we have known in a long time. And we've known, we've heard a call for it, quite a bit of it, since 2018, that summer of shame. These last four years have not been easy in the life of the church and in the life of believers, probably in your life as well. I think, sadly, next year is going to be harder. And that means we're going to need even a greater commitment to walk the path of holiness, to strive to be saints. Well, I'm out of time right now. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. Merry Christmas. Welcome Jesus into your heart, your life, your marriage, your family in a new way, and watch what he will do. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.